Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome back to our core classes. We're again doing our 201 level core classes. We're in the middle of our section talking about God the Father. And in doing so, we're talking about His names. And now we're going to talk about His attributes or characteristics, things that the Bible says is true of God the Father. And as we study this, this is also true of God the Son and God the Spirit. But because we're doing this in light of our membership statement of faith, our section at the moment is the God the Father section. The person of the Father, we read that section when we talked about the names of God. I'm going to read the second part that talks about the work of the Father as we get ready to talk about his attributes. Because so often you see his attributes at work when he's doing things, when he's interacting with us uh, in the work of salvation. So the work of the Father, section C, part two, says this. In love, God sent his only begotten and beloved Son, and together with the Son, he gave the Holy Spirit. B, while holy and just, God also displays his grace and mercy by saving and adopting all who come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. So one of the questions that we have is, how do we how do we talk about God? How do we describe him? And we don't want to just make up some way of doing it. We want to follow the lead of scripture itself. And oftentimes this study of God is a study of his attributes, characteristics that are true of him. So we're going to spend some time on this. We're going to spend three times together working on attributes. But this is one of those studies that I wish we you could spend a ton of time just going through deeper and deeper and deeper. I would suggest to you, the more you know your God, the more you're going to fall in love with him and be changed by him. So let me suggest a couple books. We'll have quotes from these books in this study. But if you want to go deeper on your own, here are some good ones. This one's called The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. It's about 80 or 90 pages. It's pretty simple. It's straightforward. Great book. Another book that's about the same size is called The Knowledge of the Holy by a guy named A.W. Tozer. Uh, this book is about the same size as A.W. Pink's, but it's also got some devotional aspects to it. So this would be a book that I would say I learned a lot from, but also felt very worshipful as I read it. If you're thinking, Mike, I like big books, I've got some of those too. This one's called The Doctrine of God by Gerald Bray. This one's a little bit bigger, closer to about 300 pages, and it does a great job spending more time working through a few more verses uh, and talks through church history a little bit as you're studying the characteristics of God. If you're like, Mike, I just want the big one. Show me the big book. Well, here it is. John Frame wrote a book called The Doctrine of God, and this sucker's closer to a thousand pages. I have not read the whole thing, though the portions that I've read are terrific. And these are four of maybe ten books that the Christian church has loved through the years, studying the person of God, the attributes of God. So diving in deep into those types of books, you'll never be disappointed. You'll always benefit, you and everyone that you're with. So when it comes to attributes, we tend to categorize God's attributes into two categories. One category is the, the category of ways that God is not like us, and the other side is ways that God is like us. So another way of wording that would be, in light of what we know about God, and we remember the fact that by nature he is both transcendent and imminent. Transcendent means he lives outside of creation, and he's just different than his creation. But God also dwells in his creation, interacts with his creation. Because of that, we kind of have two different ways that we talk about his attributes. So when it comes to his transcendence, 
we have what we call incommunicable attributes. These are things that are true of God that are not true of us. Like, God is omnipresent. Well, you and I just aren't omnipresent. We have presence in a particular place, but I'm in this room, which means I'm definitely not in the room over there, or outside, or at home, or on the other side of the world. Yet God is everywhere at the same time. So there's attributes that are true of Him that just aren't true of us. But the Bible tells us that God made us in His image, and He has imminent attributes where we do have some similarities to God's attributes. So He has communicable attributes, like the fact that He's loving, that He is merciful, and many of those attributes are things that we get to display on a day-to-day basis, and we share with God in some of these things. So there's things that are just different about God, and we cannot recognize what it feels like to live outside of time, outside of space, um, have the ability to be infinite like God is. But in these things, we experience compassion, we experience grace, we experience patience, we experience anger and jealousy. God has those as well. So we're going to start by looking at these, and then we'll continue by looking at those in future studies. Uh, when we're talking about this, there's a couple things we have to think about also, in addition to the two different ways. And that is, how does God relate to his attributes? What do I mean by that? There's some wrong ways of viewing this way of looking at God. One would be, if that's God, and just to start off with, making a circle is not a great way of starting talking about God, but if this is the Lord, and we started like listing his attributes, okay? So his love, his mercy, his wrath, his justice. God is not just a composition of all his different attributes kind of stacked on one another. This is not how God functions. So God is not just the sum of his attributes. This would be wrong. Also, if I draw a circle here, so the last one was a circle with circles inside of it, okay, as though that was the composition of the circle. Here, I have a big circle, I'm drawing smaller circles on the outside. So it's also not true to say that God is the big circle in the middle, and then ways of, and the ways that God shows himself is through his love, through his mercy, through his wrath, through his jealousy. Like, we wouldn't say that his attributes are just add-ons to who God is. We wouldn't say that either. This is also an incorrect way of viewing God and his attributes. So then, how do we do it? And again, this is going to be imperfect, but here's at least a better way of thinking through it. Again, I'm drawing a big circle. If that's the Lord, and say this black colored marker represents his love. There is no part of who God is where he's not also and always loving. I'm going to take this blue marker, and let's say the blue marker is his justice. His justice is consistently and always true, always and in every way. So what I did is I drew black lines going one direction to represent his love. I drew blue lines going the other direction representing his justice. At all times, God is both just and loving. God never acts out of his love and then not also acting out of his justice. So all of his attributes, all of his characteristics are consistently true with him all the time, always intersecting with, intersecting with one another. 
So in the same time, God is always all-knowing. So let's go this direction. This is a purple pen, purple marker. So even his attributes are recognized that he is different than us, like being infinite, being all-knowing, all-powerful, outside of creation. Those things are also always true of God. So God can be loving, but he's still also living outside of creation. And he's all-knowing, and he's infinite in power. So even though God can love the person who's in pain, it doesn't mean that he's no longer the God who rules over the universe and sees all things at all times. All those things are always true of God at all times. There's never a point where he acts out of one attribute and then doesn't also act out of the other. God is consistent. There's harmony in God's attributes and characteristics. So that's one way of looking at that and studying that. Okay, if you're in your book, I'm on page 58. We're on the session two that says incommunicable attributes. And we've just discussed how do we talk about God. So let's jump into that paragraph at the top. It says there are qualities of God that do not have or share, that we do not have or share. Those are called incommunicable. There are some that we do share. Those are called communicable. And there are aspects of our nature that reflect his nature. Here's a good quote from a guy named Gerald Bray. It says, it is equally futile to attempt to maintain a distinction between the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God, at least at the level of divine essence. In other words, in who God is, he's always infinite and he's always transcendent while also showing his character qualities while he's interacting with his creation. So he's always above and outside of creation and also intimately inside of creation. There is certainly a real difference here, but it is tied to and logically dependent upon the prior distinction between the persons and the essence of God. God is who he is. So when he's just, he's being just while knowing all things, living outside of creation, being fully loving, fully compassionate, fully gracious, knowing both the beginning of time, the present moment, and the end of time. So when God is just, all those things are always true. They're always informing him in his justice. You and I have the ability to show justice to people, but we have such a limited way of viewing it and seeing it. God does it from his perspective, from his actual person, which is something that you and I can't truly experience, though we learn from him and watch him through scripture. When it comes to incommunicable attributes, here are some of the ones that are listed on this page. He is independent. You and I, from the day we're born, have a level of dependence. If you just take the oxygen out of this room, I will be gone. My life will be ended. Why? Because I'm dependent upon nature itself to provide oxygen and substance. I'm dependent on God every moment for energy, for the ability to live and have a, and have a life. God is self-existent. He is, he exists with no dependence. Like he just, he is. He forever, eternally has been, always will be. He is self-existent. Something that is very different from you and I. God is self-sufficient. He has no need outside of himself. God is immutable, which means he's unchanging. I mean, over the course of a day, I might change my mind three times on what I want to have for dinner. God is unchanging. It doesn't mean that he doesn't interact and have thoughts and feelings and respond in the moment, but because God sees all things throughout the beginning of time to the end of the time, there's nothing that surprises him. There's nothing that needs, he needs to alter or change um, when he's interacting with people, interacting with his creation. God isn't 
in a position where he has to change because he's not affected by time. He chooses to dwell in time, but he's not impacted by time. He dwells in time-space history. He lives in his creation where there's matter, space, air, liquid, but God himself also lives outside of those things, so he's not changed by those things. He's eternal. He's infinite. He's also simple. And he has a oneness in the unity that you and I don't understand. He's been consistently who he is forever. You and I, because we're continued to change, even our own oneness within ourself, our unity of the way we think, the way we feel, and how we negotiate what's going on around us changes. And sometimes we struggle. God doesn't go through that. If you go to the middle of the page, it says a perfect harmony exists in all of God's attributes. One does not dominate another. If you meet people, you'll describe people like, that person's just hard to get along with, or that person always tells me what's right and wrong, or that person is so loving and so compassionate, she never corrects me, he never corrects me. We as people tend to have certain personality traits that maybe dominate, and that's kind of what we're known for. God does not have one characteristic that dominates another. God is never put into a perplexing situation trying to negotiate his own attributes. God is infinitely complex and yet perfectly unified in his attributes. God is infinitely complex, yet he is perfectly unified in his attributes. So you and I, as we're trying to negotiate things like the problem of evil, how does eternal punishment fit into the love of God? How do we see people who are kind of wicked be super successful here while they're on planet Earth? Like there's all these things that you and I struggle with intellectually, and we are trying to figure out how to have answers to these things. For God, he's never put into a perplexing situation. He's never trying to negotiate those things or figure those things out because he is unified in who he is. He's created a system, a situation, and a world in which all of his attributes are being shown in just the way he wants them to be shown. The second point is God reveals himself through his attributes. So what is God like? We look to his attributes to see what he is like. God is never revealed separate from his attributes, which was that circle with the attributes on the outside. He, it's not like God is one thing, but then he shows himself to be something else whenever he feels like it. He's not a chameleon. When God reveals his attributes, he's revealing to us who he truly is. It's important to remember, as we talk about incommunicable attributes, by nature, God exists outside of and separate from his creation. He made time, space, and the world, like matter exists because God made it. So God's not bound by matter. He's not bound by space. He's not bound by time. He made those things. So he lives and exists outside of them. You and I don't even know what that feels like for a single moment to live outside of time, space, or matter. Only God knows what that's like. Only God lives that way and experiences the world and existence in the way that he does. There's a quote from a guy named Bavnik that says, Every one of God's attributes are identical with his, be with his being. God's attributes do not differ from his essence or from one another. He's never holy and not just. He's never loving and not jealous. Like All of those attributes are always intersecting with one another, making God who he is fully and completely, in perfect harmony at all times. What would happen if you and I emphasize one of God's attributes over one of his other attributes? We do it all the time. God has perfect harmony in himself, but you and I tend to be drawn to certain things. I'm really drawn to maybe say the compassion of God, and I just focus on that aspect of who he is, but I ignore the fact that he is 
holy, that he's just, that he's jealous. If I'm drawn just to his compassion and his kindness and not those other things, what happens? What happens is we begin to humanize God. We create God in our own perception. He's not who he says he is, he's who we've made him up to be. In many ways, instead of him being the potter and we're the clay, we put on the gloves and we're like, all right, I'll be the potter. I'm going to mold God into whatever image I want. That's why it's so important to consistently study God, God's Word, and what He is like throughout all of Scripture, to really have a full understanding of who God's revealed Himself to be, not just to latch onto one characteristic. Um, some people might love the fact that God is just, and they want everything to be right or wrong, right or wrong. And the compassion side, the love side, the grace, the mercy side, they're just not drawn to that. So they tend to be this harder person. They think they're reflecting God. Well, one aspect, but we're called to reflect God as much as possible, so we should know everything there is to know about God. If we create God in our own perception, if we're the potter, he's the clay, we're always going to end up frustrated. We're going to end up hurt, confused, and leading to doubt and confusion because we've made our own God. We need to let Scripture speak and tell us who God is and what he's like. And if there's aspects of God that are hard for you, like his wrath or his jealousy or his justice, or even just his incredible mercy might be hard for you. Why is he so merciful to people, but he doesn't always feel like he's being merciful to me? Because we each have our own personal experience. Whatever it is, we cannot mold God. We've been molded by God. The last little question to think about is, how does society do this? How does society switch and change what God is like? How does it contribute to the misunderstandings of the problem of evil, of good people who die young, of the existence of hell? We just need to recognize the fact that we as believers struggle at knowing everything there is to know about God because he's infinite, we're finite. But even more so, a culture that denies the existence of God, the culture that wants to attack God's church, they're always going to, they're always going to come at us saying, if your God is so loving, then why dot, dot, dot? If your God is so gracious, why then dot, dot, dot? We need to remember that God isn't so simple that he's described by only one attribute. He is who he reveals himself to be. He is all the things that he has said. God, at the end of the day, will be loving, will be holy, will be just, will be gracious, will be merciful, and that's exactly who we want God to be. God is the, it's a weird way of saying it, but he's the best version of himself. There's no one else that can ever step in and help God define himself. He has defined himself. We simply sit at his feet, worship his majesty, and enjoy, receive who he is and what he's like. So, as we move forward in this study, um, those are some initial thoughts on getting ready to go into the attributes, into the study of God himself. So next time we're going to look at one of those in incommunicable attributes, and then the following session we're going to talk about some attributes that are, that are communicable, that are like us. So I look forward to those discussions. We'll see you next time.